Welcome to the Nanalyze podcast. We are a boutique media and research firm specializing in disruptive innovation. Visit nanalyze.com for more details. Carl Icahn versus Illumina is the topic of today's presentation. And I've chosen a castle here for this cover image because that alludes to a famous book that uh, everybody who wants to get involved in finance probably ought to have read. It was a number one New York Times bestseller. Some say the best business narrative ever written, which is Barbarians at the Gate. And this is the story about um, corporate raiders that uh, were using a leveraged buyout to control or get control of RJR Nabisco. Now, this is a real-life drama that's worthy of Hollywood. I think they actually made a movie out of this. But um, this concept of a leveraged buyout where you borrow money to acquire a company and then create value afterwards and uh, pay off your loan and have some uh, money left over that represents profit, that's what corporate raiders were all about. Well, the corporate raider soon became the activist investor that you know about today. And these individuals usually come sniffing around when there's some real incompetency on display. And our last few pieces on Illumina, so we've been shareholders in Illumina for quite a long time, and we check in with the company once a year. And you can see here that the last number of check-ins that we've done uh, have been very critical of the acquisition of Grail. And it's tough not to be. So this gentleman here took notice of that. It's Carl Icahn. So um, he, his whole business is taking large stakes in companies that he believes will appreciate uh, via changes to their corporate policy and then pressuring management to make those changes. He's widely regarded as one of the most successful hedge fund managers of all time, one of the greatest investors. Uh, he is one of the first activist shareholders credited with making that investment strategy mainstream for hedge funds. And uh, in the 1980s, he developed a reputation as being uh, somewhat of a corporate raider. He's on the Forbes 400 list with a net worth of approximately $17 billion to $24 billion. Now, what he points out in one of his many letters uh, to Illumina shareholders is this concept of a company rotting from the inside out and that... Typically, in most cases, if not all, when he engages with a firm, that employees of that target company feel aggrieved by the same failings and abuses in the C-suite that he was attracted to in the first place, and that after he gets involved, he'll usually receive unsolicited calls from employees past and present thanking him for his efforts, and they'll say things like, well, Company X used to be so great, but the CEO and his, her protectors on the board seem dead set on destroying the company. This happens more often than you would think, and the implication here is that Icon's case will only go stronger as momentum increases. One would assume that prior to engaging with a firm that he's going to target, he's done sufficient due diligence and talked to a lot of people. Now, when you look at the proxy war that he's engaging with for Illumina. Um, what a proxy war is, is just getting all the shareholders to vote in a particular direction to influence the direction of the company. He says here, we're talking to you, Bailey Gifford, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, Edgewood. You can see that that was taken verbatim from uh, his one of his letters. And you can see on the right, institutional holdings from NASDAQ showing 
the institutional shareholders for Illumina and that he's speaking to the top shareholders. Is it likely that he spoke with some of these firms before deciding to, um, I guess you could say, attack Illumina? Um, most likely that he would have had some assurance that his efforts will be successful. And what he's pushing for is the quote-unquote real reason that Illumina defiantly completed their grail deal without securing regulatory approval. Indeed, we wrote about that. It's just impossible to imagine a case where that made sense. And he suggests that there are conflicts of interest and possible related party disclosures that were needed in that transaction. But what we care about most is the erosion of shareholder value that took place. And here you can see a series of letters, and we've read through most of these to prepare for this presentation. There's a lot of information in there. Uh, but succinctly put, the Grail mess is all about Illumina acquiring a firm called Grail. There's a background there. They had funded Grail. Then they had spun it out. Then Grail was going to IPO, and they purchased Grail uh, for reasons that people um, couldn't understand given the terms. So they've already taken a $4 billion impairment charge on the $8 billion they paid. So they clearly overpaid. Uh, they've been warned of significant tax liabilities now that they may have to exit this acquisition. Uh, for example, if they're able to sell Grail for what they purchased it for, they'd be on the line for $2.2 billion in taxes. They accrued $450 million in fines at least going against regulators, and they're likely going to need to divest this Grail asset in today's economic climate uh, following their appeals, which may or may not be successful. Now, the much bigger problem that we see here is Illumina's core business has been deteriorating, and we pointed out before the dip in revenues there around the time of the Rona, but other things that Carl Icahn points out here, a talent exodus, a decrease in new product cycles, slowing revenue growth, which you can see here in this chart, and declining margins. And when you look at the value of Illumina's shares over time, and you can run these against benchmarks and see how it's underperformed, but the intrinsic value of this firm has declined based on how much money they've lost on the failed Grail acquisition. Now, Carl Icahn points out that since the current CEO, D'Souza, became CEO, that their share price has meaningfully lagged peers. And you can see that um, these benchmarks listed below, that it's significantly underperformed. And what you see here is that since they spun out Grail, Four years later, that was in January of 2016, four years later, they decided to buy Grail for $8 billion. The stock dropped 23% when that news was made available to the market. They then took a $3.9 billion impairment charge, and they've been ordered to divest that acquisition, both by the EC and the FTC, and they've appealed uh, both of those uh, results. So uh, there's other items to note in this timeline, but what... Carl Icahn has pointed out is the turnover in the last seven years since D'Souza became CEO and that um, a great number of key individuals no longer remain on staff. Here you can see the turnover and what's the likelihood that Icahn's teams talked to one or more of these people before they decided to take action against Illumina. Another criticism pointed out is the increasing R&D spend. So you can see this chart shows R&D spend over time as a percentage of 
revenues. And you can see how that's increasing. The criticism here is that only two sequencing systems have launched under the new CEO. Uh, why is it taking so long to get new products to market? And where is all this R&D investment going? Um, they point out here the declining operating margins under D'Souza's watch over time. You could see that. And they present a plan, which is to uh, have three new board members join the board of directors and then try and take these actions, which is to drop the GRAIL appeals, apologize to regulators and customers, and negotiate with the regulating bodies to obtain the best path to exit GRAIL. Indeed, that seems like a better approach than being aggressive and pissing off people with all the power. Uh, Spinoff with rights offerings, so they uh, plan to help assist in the exit of GRAIL, replacing the CEO, so uh, approach the old CEO or similar individual to return and get the company focused again on core competencies. Again, uh, pissing off the regulators isn't a good idea, and they don't believe Illumina will be able to divest Grail in a shareholder-friendly manner if they don't stop doing that. And you know, because they've decided to be aggressive with regulators, they could then start changing the terms in an unfavorable manner. For example, Grail needs to have three, four, or five years of cash for a spinoff. And that certainly um, this... Uh, divestiture is going to take place at a much lower valuation compared to the $10 billion acquisition price, the total um, amount of money that uh, under consideration for the acquisition of Grail. And here are some comments that were made in a Financial Times article from the former CEO, Jay Flatley, who's criticizing the deal. And you wonder, what's the likelihood that Icon has already spoken with Flatley about this? And he said, yeah, if you're able to get control of the board, then I would certainly consider coming back on. So Illumina's response was to go on the offensive, uh, to add more board seats to try to combat what Icon plans to do. They say that um, Icon's nominees lack relevant skills and experience, and that this last part it is not in the best interest of shareholders to appoint Mr. Icon's three nominees to the board of Illumina. Well, it is if you consider that all the criticisms that he's making are um, more than valid. They're concerns that shareholders have already had. Certainly, it sounds like employees as well. And Illumina asked that investors ask more relevant and forward-looking questions. Well, some great questions being asked are, why have Illumina's core operating margins declined over time? Why is there declining revenue growth with, with R&D increasing to 22% of sales? Are there new business models for Illumina that would diversify revenue? Um, when will they update their entry price and mid-market sequencing options? Uh, what damage has the Grail antitrust fight done to their relationships with the government? Why did they cancel their accelerator program? What's the return on investment for their genomics forum, where they bring in names like Barack Obama and Bill Gates to speak? What are the costs of that and the return on that investment? Why are they building a massive new campus in San Francisco? Just lots of great questions here. And further questions that ought to be asked are one surrounding the divisive DEI initiatives that Illumina seems to be plunging into head first. You can see some of these groups listed out here. These are a waste of time, energy, and resources and simply serve to divide the firm. Stop producing the 111-page CSR report. Fire the head of DEI and all the charlatans that she commands and see how much you can get those margins improved back to where they were by getting rid of this garbage that only serves to detract 
from the core focus of the company. So May 25th is the big day. That's when shareholders will vote on these potential new board members coming on uh, to Illumina's board of directors. Um, they say here it's very important that they believe other board members may be sympathetic to their beliefs but are intimidated to speak up and that with these three new individuals in the room it will make it a lot easier. They don't believe that the board should be micromanaging the CEO but they do believe that the board should be holding the CEO and team accountable to a plan, helping them to guide strategy and preventing them from what they state here, avoidable calamity. For example, and, and they list the um, mistakes that were made with Grail, which were uh, ex extremely obvious to see. So just to conclude, um, the Helix effort that Illumina had, where they were going to get into genetic testing and their failed acquisition of Pacific Biosciences, which, are, which was also on the clock of the current C CEO. These problems pale in comparison to the Grail fiasco. Uh, if Icon fails in his attempt, um, that's a concern, and Illumina's management team will be even further entrenched. And as investors, that would uh, be something we'd have to uh, start making some difficult decisions on in terms of what we do with our position. Now, it may get ugly if Icon succeeds, but his experience in similar situations gives us confidence that um, he can create a lot of value if he's able to get his soldiers in there on the board and start making some changes to what used to be a great company. Um, stalling revenues that we've seen for Illumina now, um, that means the company's on probation because when we invest in a disruptive tech firm, there's only two reasons we sell. Well, there's three. If the thesis changes, if revenue growth stalls, or if it becomes too overweight. So I'm going to put up another video here that you might find of interest on this topic. But before you watch that, please click the logo on the right, subscribe to our channel. Thanks so much for taking the time to watch this today. Thank you for listening to the Nanalyze podcast. If you found this information useful, please share this episode with a friend. This helps us to continue to provide thorough research for you. Want more research like this? Want to know what we're invested in and what stocks we're avoiding? Head to nanalyze.com and consider becoming a premium annual subscriber to get access to premium articles, webinars, and our extensive tech stock catalog. Thank you for your time.